I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to continue our study on the New Testament or the New Covenant enemies. Um, Jude says that there are those who are enemies of the cross. And so this is what we've been looking at. We're going to continue that today and we're going to go into that again next week or probably the next couple of weeks before we finish this. And so it's obvious that there are enemies of the cross. We know that the Bible teaches us that. And and what we're looking at are ways in which Paul and, of course, Jude and, and others have had to contend with those who fought against them and fought against their gospel. Um, nothing is more clear or there's no book that's more clear about these enemies of the cross than the book of Galatian. Um, as, as a matter of fact, in this book, uh, Paul deals with the leaven that gets into the church and that leaven, if it's allowed, it can kind of permeate itself throughout the whole congregation. Um, and he's speaking of the leaven of the Pharisees, um, those that could not let go of Moses. They couldn't let go of the law. They couldn't fully embrace the grace of God. And this is what he deals with. So in Galatians chapter 5, In verse 4, we're just going to pick this up and we'll come back. But he says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And so this is an incredibly important verse of scripture. Because he's talking about where there are people that are in grace, but they can fall from grace. That is a serious, serious danger. Uh, make no mistake about it. And he goes on through this book about saying that Jesus profits you nothing if you would try to live by works or by the law. And so he says that Jesus has no effect to you. You've lost the effect of Jesus. You've lost the effect of his salvation, of his death, his atonement, his redemption. You've lost that effect if you seek to be justified by the law. And the law will not justify anybody. Now, this is, I'm just going to do this as a quick review because we spent the last two weeks going through Hebrews 10 and I want to go back to there very quickly just to tie it together because this is the same problem, the same condition in the book of Hebrews. And he tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, if you will just pick up there with me, I want us to see this. He says in verse 26, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who is trodden underfoot the Son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. The willful sin is to transgress the new covenant. The willful sin is to not have faith in what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. It is evident that the willful sin is not the fact that you have fallen into your lust and committed a sin. If that's the case, 
every one of us have done that willfully at some point since we've become a Christian. And if that's the intent of this verse, then there's no more sacrifice for any of us. We're all damned. And it's obvious that's not the context. The context of this is, if they didn't listen to Moses and they suffered such judgment of God, how much more severe will the judgment be to those who do not listen to the Son of God? Because Jesus came in establishing a new covenant that was better than Moses' covenant and better promises that were given to us. And so the threefold sin is found in verse 29. And it is this, you've trodden underfoot the Son of God, you've counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified as unholy, and that just simply means insufficient by itself. Holy means to be set apart and complete. And so we look at the blood that sanctifies us, that's insufficient in itself, it needs help, and has done despite To the spirit of grace. And so what happens is that word despite means to infuriate. And so you infuriate the spirit of grace. This is the Holy Spirit that moves and operates through grace. That Jesus by the eternal spirit even offered himself up to God. And so Paul or the author of Hebrews like says in verse 20, verse 32. Call to remembrance the former days. After you were illuminated, this great fight of affliction occurred. I mean, the day you got it, the day you understood salvation, you also understood the incredible affliction that came into your life. Because it really wasn't popular to be a Christian back then or a follower of Jesus. And when people were coming to faith in Christ, there was a tremendous persecution brought against their life. Not only did they suffer, but they also watched their fellow men suffer in verse 33. And so the author's trying to encourage them that in verse 34, you know in heaven you have a better and an enduring substance. So don't cast away Your confidence, don't throw your confidence away. Don't turn away from this. You have need of patience. You know, after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. And he says in verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And that's the whole temptation. That's the willful sin is to flee the new covenant that God has established with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And to go back into Moses, to go back into a system of works and religion that's going to help us be sanctified. Because the blood of Jesus is not enough to sanctify us, as some people might think, who would be the enemies of the cross. But we believe that the blood of Jesus does sanctify us. It is able to sanctify us, and God is able to perfect us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 20 tells us that. And so we believe that the blood of Jesus is holy. We do not consider it unholy. And we believe that the spirit of grace is able to complete his work in us and make us and conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. We believe the spirit of grace is able to do that. Now, this is only for those that are born again, and everybody's not born again, and everybody that goes to church is not born again. But those in whom the spirit of grace lives 
will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ because God, as a good father, knows how to discipline his children. Hebrews chapter 12. And so if we belong to God, he's going to discipline us and bring us up into Christ. So this is what we were talking about in Hebrews. And it sums it up in this. It's to lose confidence that Jesus is the full substitute. It is to lose confidence in his appointed and unending high priestly office that is set by God Almighty. It is to lose confidence in his intercession. It is to lose confidence in God's ability to perfect forever by the blood of Jesus Christ. That trusting soul that's hoping in God. It is to count God a liar when he swore by an oath. Hebrews 6.18 To give strong comfort for those who have fled to God's refuge. It is to feel the necessity of adding to Jesus' sacrifice with my own sacrifices. It is to think that perfection is by the Levitical priesthood and Jesus Christ. Works and faith, flesh and spirit, grace and law. It is not, it's not consider the new covenant as different than the old covenant, but just a greater revelation of the old covenant. When God says, I will establish a new covenant, not like the old covenant. It will be totally different. And so, going back to Galatians chapter 5, as we started, he says in verse 4, For in Christ Jesus, or, or if Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And here's a, here's a church that was trusting in Jesus Christ and would end up becoming bewitched by false teachers or bewitched by enemies of the cross or enemies of the new covenant. And so we're going to go to chapter 1. And I want us to see in verse 6, Paul says this, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Praise God. God has called us into the grace of Christ. Remember what grace is. Grace is the divine influence, the ability of God. That's what grace is. And God can do anything. So it's God's ability. It's God's divine influence in your life. We have been called to this influence of God in Jesus Christ. This grace of Christ And you have been removed, he says in verse 6, unto another gospel. It's like it happened. And Paul is very concerned for this church, which is not another gospel. It's really not. There's a lot of grace teachings out there. There's a lot of licentiousness out there. There's teachings of grace. There's false teachers about grace. That teach if you're under grace, you never need to repent. If you're under grace, you never sin. That's not grace. They just throw that name in there. But it's not grace. It's not biblical grace. So so I don't even attribute that to grace. Because what that does, it is the devil's effort to distract us from the true grace of God. Because when that kind of grace is heard, you want to bring Moses in. And so he says, it's really not another gospel. It's really not. 
But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. There are some that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's been the same in every age. Jude talks about this as enemies of the cross. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And he says this again. He repeats it because it's so serious. Chapter 2, we want to see what they were doing. What was going on? What were these teachers doing? What were they teaching? So in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, And that because of false brothers, unawares, because they sneak in, you're not always aware of it, unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So the enemies of the new covenant come in unaware, stealthily, for the purpose of bringing believers who are free back into bondage. This bondage is a system of works and laws that you will never live up to yourself. They didn't live up to it, but they wanted to bring others into this. This is explained in verse 14 when it was with Barnabas disassembling himself from the Gentiles for fear of the Jews. And he says, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? This was the gospel that Paul preached. That we are free from that bondage of the law. To be able to serve God through faith and grace. And he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Very important. I want you to go to, we're going to come back to chapter 2 in just a moment. But I want you to go to chapter 3 verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer would be the hearing of faith, not the works of the law. So are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh? Are you going to say that the blood of Jesus isn't enough? Are you going to say that the Spirit of grace cannot do it, so you have to go back into the flesh to perfect your holiness? Christ becomes of no effect to you, if that's the case. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And it's by faith. And what is set apart here is works and faith, flesh and spirit, law and grace. You cannot mix the two. They are separate. Works, flesh, law, or old covenant. Faith, 
Spirit, grace is new covenant. And you cannot tie the two together. But you must, and we must learn to live by faith in Christ and allow the grace of God. This is the influence of God, the the power of God, the ability of God to work in us. To conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so, if you will, in chapter 5 of Galatians, we'll see more of what they were doing. Because what they were bewitching the Galatians was this. Yes, you started, you know, you started in in works uh, or faith. Let's end in works. And they said, yeah, you know, we started it. We were born of the spirit, but let's now let's walk in the flesh as well. Let's get this flesh to behave. Or, you know, yes, you know, we're saved by grace, but we're sanctified through law. And that's what they were doing. They were mixing this. It was so dangerous. In chapter 5, he says in verse 5, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision... Now, he's dealing with this false gospel. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. The only thing that avails is faith, which works by love. You did run well, but who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? You were doing so good. This persuasion, this hindrance comes not from him that called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord. That you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubles you shall bear his judgment. Whosoever he be. And I brethren. If I yet preach. This was what Paul was attacked. Here's the, the, the false teachers in Paul's gospel. If I yet preach circumcision. Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off which trouble you. For brothers, you have been called to liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all of the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so what was Paul persecuted for? He was not persecuted for preaching circumcision, which is a reference to the old covenant. He was persecuted because he was preaching the new covenant. And so what these false teachers were trying to do is not leave the old covenant, but they wanted to recognize Jesus Christ as well. And they were trying to mix the two, which ends up losing everything. Chapter 6, verse 12, he says, For as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, listen to that, y'all, there are those... Who desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They want to live by the flesh. They want this. They desire this. They want to impress. They want to show God, I can do this. And I want you to be happy with me. God's only happy with his son Jesus. And he's only pleased and accepted of what the spirit of grace is able to produce in our life. Because we believe that he can. And so he goes on and he says this again in chapter 6, verse 12. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, 
They constrain you to be circumcised. This is the false teachers. They're constraining you to be, they're trying to bring you back under Moses. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. This is what was going on in Hebrews 10 as well. These new believers who had come to faith in Jesus were suffering such affliction that they said, you know what, if we, if we would just, we can continue to believe in Jesus, but if we would just continue to walk in, in, in works and flesh as well, then we won't be persecuted anymore. And that's what Paul is dealing with here. Says they will suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Beautiful. So we see here some of the things that Paul is dealing with and those that were the enemies of the cross, enemies of the gospel, enemies of grace or the new covenant. They were trying to mix. They weren't, they weren't refusing Jesus. But they were trying to, to mix in the old covenant with the new. And it was dangerous. I want you to go back to chapter 2 verse 16. I want you to see this. <clears throat> because remember he's rebuking Peter in front of everyone, you know. You now, Peter, live like a Gentile, and you're going to tell the Gentiles to live like Jews, which you don't even do anymore? And so he comes into this, this context in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Some of your translations may say faith in Christ, and that's a bad translation. It's the faith of Christ. He went to the cross knowing and believing that all the Father would give him, he would save him. It's his faith. It's what he believes he can do with you. And that misplaced translation faith in... Puts the emphasis on you trying to believe. But it's what he knows he can do. By the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. We're justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if. And here's the mixture. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ. We ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor or a sinner. 
And so what is he saying there? If you're trying to be justified by Christ and you also rebuild in your life the system of works that Jesus set you free from and you rebuild that in your life and you are now found a transgressor, Jesus didn't minister that to you. You did that. You put that system of works back in your life. You did that. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. If we rebuild our life under the law, then we're found sinners and transgressors. But through the law, I'm dead to the law, that I might live to God. I'm not under the law anymore. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live believing that he knows he can save me. I believe that. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, Paul is saying this, I will not mix the two. I'm not going to do it. My faith is in Christ. And I'm going to live by him, trusting in him, walking with him. Now, this idea that if you're going to live this way, you're going to sin and you give a license to sin. Well, it's just not even grace. That's just the mind of the enemy of, of, the, of, of the new covenant. And so he goes on and he says this into chapter three. This is the context. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Because what they're bewitching these Galatians is, is to rebuild the foundation of the law that they've been delivered from through Jesus Christ. So who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This is only what I learn of you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If yet it be in vain. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so Abraham didn't live by the law. It didn't come for 400 years later. He didn't live by a system of works either. He lived by faith. He believed God and he trusted God. And, and his faith was evident. His living faith was evident in his life. And so this is so important. He says this in, in chapter 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. So if you rebuild a system of law, religion of works, and you keep nine and fail one of them, you've broken them all. You've broken them all. 
And so when that system is rebuilt, but bless God, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us as it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. And why did he do this? So the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So he's answering his questions in verses one through four. How did you receive this? Was it by faith or the spirit or by works? And he says, it's by the spirit. This is how it's by faith through the spirit. And it's not a mixture of the two. It is this. And Galatians chapter four, verse 21, he says this, tell me you that desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? Do you not hear it? And so this is very important because people that live under the law, under a system of works, you can read Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 that see that the Gentiles are also under a law. And so when, when, when a person lives under the law, he says, don't you hear it? Why would you want to live under that when God has given you a way out? And that way out is by faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who is going to work powerfully in your life by his Holy Spirit to make you holy. And so all of the desires that God has wanted for us through the commandments, you shall have no other gods, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, now can be fulfilled because of grace. They could never be fulfilled because of works. The flesh gets in it and the flesh is going to do all of this and it's just going to absolutely fail. But grace goes deeper because the law says don't commit adultery and grace says don't lust in your heart. And the law says don't kill but grace says don't hate in your heart. So grace is not soft. But it's the power of God. It is the effect of God. It is the rule of God in a person's life. And what God is able to do. And so he says, don't you see the law in chapter 4? Don't you understand this? Don't you understand the recourse of this? And so what is he dealing with in Galatians? Understand this. He's dealing with those that have come in and preached another gospel. And it is a gospel different than the gospel that Paul was preaching. And the gospel, the false gospel that these guys were preaching in the church of Galatia, they snuck in, they were spying out the liberty of the people, and they were trying to bring the people back under bondage. And the bringing them back under bondage was the reconstruction of a system of works. Yes, you started in faith, but now you got to give attention to your works. Yes, you started in the spirit, but you've got to understand you've now got to work hard and you, you're you not praying enough, so you need to pray enough. And you're not reading your Bible enough, so you need to read your Bible more and, and you're being tempted into this sin and you need to fight it. Well, wait a minute. It's my very fleshly nature that's being tempted into sin. And yes, 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 yes. So you started in the spirit, but you've got to end in flesh. And yes, you started in, in grace, but you need to end in works. And that's what these false teachers were teaching. And Paul says, wait a minute. I am persecuted and I'm suffering affliction because I do not preach circumcision. Paul's gospel was not the law, 
but deliverance from it. Bringing us into something better and more powerful than anything the law could have imagined to do. And the only purpose of the law, this is Galatians 4, the, the purpose of the law, because remember, remember this, the law is not faith. And the law is not spirit. The law deals with the flesh. It does not deal with men on the basis of faith. So people that are living in works are not living in faith. They're living in their self, their ability. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read the Bible more. But wait a minute. Paul says faith works by love. The condition is this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so it's to love Jesus. It's to seek a life with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit will produce in me affections for God and affections for his word and affections for his presence and worshiping of God and so forth. And so the law is not of faith and the law is not of the spirit. It's of the flesh, even though it was given to us by God and it is holy. And there's nothing wrong with the law except for our inability to keep it. The law was given to speak to men who are dead in their sins and enemies of God. That you have broken his commandments and you're under his judgment. And this law is the verdict that you are under God's hot wrath. And you're going to be judged by God and you have no hope with this law. You're judged. You're incomplete. And what was the purpose of that? He tells us in in Galatians chapter 4. The purpose of that was to humble us. And to cry out to God for mercy. And Jesus is that mercy. Jesus is that salvation. That is granted to us on the basis of faith. Because we know we're guilty. And we know that we're ruined. And we know that we're helpless. And therefore I cry out to Jesus. That I believe is the sacrifice and the atonement made by God. For my sins. And when I put my faith in him, I'm now removed from the law and I'm not under God's wrath anymore. Why would I put myself back under the mixture of the two? And so Paul says that, listen, you need to understand the conflict. You need to understand the battle. Not everybody's going to love the new covenant. Because there are people that love to make a good show in the flesh. And they like to make merchandise of you. Not because they're able to live this way. They, they don't, the the way they're telling you to live, they don't even live. But they like the advantage they have over you. And so Paul says in Galatians chapter four, just like Ishmael confronted Isaac, Ishmael, the son of bondage, Confronted Isaac, the son of faith, just like Ishmael tormented him. So the false teachers are going to torment the people of faith. The people who are hoping and believing in Jesus Christ. That conflict will exist within the church world until Jesus Christ comes back. And therefore we must, as Jude says, contend for the faith. And I pray that is something that we will do. First of all, for our personal life. Because you need to know the truth of this. 
You need to be able to believe the truth of it and walk in the truth of it yourself if you're ever to help other people walk in the truth of it. And I believe the prodigals would come home. I really do. I believe multitudes of people would come to this God who's merciful and kind and just says, believe me, trust me. I will do this for you. Praise God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to understand your ways. We thank you, Father, for the demonstration of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the faith of Jesus. That's what we live by. I believe that you believe that you can perfect me. I believe that. That's my only hope. And I I surrender to you. I ask you to do this in my life. I trust you. I have no other hope but Jesus. I have no other hope but the blood of Jesus. I have no other hope but the Holy Spirit's power. I have no other hope. I look to no other means. And I thank you, Father, that this hope is steadfast and sure. It is an anchor for my soul. And I cannot be troubled. In Jesus' name, we're going to take just a moment to pray. Would you just seek the Lord? Ask the Lord to grant you the revelation of this truth, this great liberty and this great freedom we have in Jesus Christ.